Last weekend, we learned many lessons from Stephen's review of some of the Old Testament believers, Abraham, Joseph, and today, Moses. Now, we learned a couple truths. Here's the first one. God designed every person to have a personal relationship with him. We prove that with these four keys. God sees, God cares, God comes, and God delivers. Now we learn that Abraham was a pagan who worshiped dead idols and didn't know anything about the one true God. But God graciously came to him. He sees, he cares, and he comes. Next, God gave Abraham some commands to follow and then gave him many promises. Today, we will learn how to enjoy God's promises no matter the situation. Now, here's the definition of promise. To tell in advance, to guarantee. Nobody who is watching or listening to me today has ever kept all the promises they've made. Nobody. Very often, when we make a promise, and then a person, a spouse, a friend says, you forgot the promise. Oh, that's right, I did forget it. But I want to say this. Sometimes we break our promises to people. Sometimes we break our promises to God. But I want you to say this with me. Whatever God promises, God always fulfills. Let's do it again. Whatever God promises, God always fulfills. Psalms 119, 160 says this, God, all your words are true. When God makes a promise, it's going to happen. He can not lie. Now, the Bible, well, from Old Testament to New Testament, all the pages just filled with God's promises that he has fulfilled all down through history. We'll see plenty of that today. Now, here's one other thing. Today, God continues to fulfill all his promises. And you'll see that today as we go through this passage. Now, I told you that God gave commands to Abraham, but God gave many, many wonderful promises to Abraham. Remember one of them? God said, you're going to have a son. And at age of 100 for Abraham, Sarah, his wife, 90, the promise came true. But there's a bigger one of all the promises. Here it is. All people, God said, on earth will be blessed through you. Here it is. Here's what that means. God's promise. Jesus, the Messiah, through the lineage of Abraham, 
would come and the Jewish nation. So right from the start, God promised Jesus would come through the lineage of the nation of Israel. And of course, Abraham's the father of that nation. Now we know all the way through, and I don't have time today to go through this, but Satan was always trying to stop that in so many ways. But God always keeps his promises. Now, there's three requirements. Our title tonight is very simple. Following God enables us to enjoy his promises. Now, to follow God, there's three requirements. You see them on the overhead. Number one, you must know God personally. Not just about God, but you must have that personal relationship with him. Number two, you must obey God's word. Many of God's promises are directly connected with our obedience. And number three, you must believe God's word. Now, Abraham, Joseph, and Moses, and Stephen all met those three requirements. Last week, we learned about Joseph's 22-year, remember? Spiritual roller coaster that he had while he was in Egypt. But God was with him for those 22 years, and he delivered him from all of those troubles. We went through that last week. But as Joseph was there, there came a famine, and God used Joseph to prepare for the famine, and as a result, gained the favor of the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh moved him in, basically, to right underneath him. And what happened with that was this. When Jacob and the family came to Egypt to get food, they survived. Without Joseph, they would have never survived. The nation of Israel would have been gone. And that promise of Jesus coming through the nation of Israel would have been gone. So look at this. Why was Joseph so successful in spite of his 22-year roller coaster? Up, down, up, down, up, down. Well, Joseph knew during those 22 years he was not doing life alone. He was doing it with God. God was directing his life. He saw that every single day. Good and bad people were not directing his life. Circumstances of fate were not directing his life. Absolutely, it was God. Now, if you will, in your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 7. And you can go down to verse 17. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise, you'll hear that word a lot tonight, and as the whole weekend goes, you'll hear this over and over again. His promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. Remember, God had promised to Abraham that there would be a time when Israel would be in bondage for 400 years, but they would grow and grow and grow, and then you'll see later, God's going to use Moses to free them to come to the promised land. Now, look at verse 18. Then another king who knew nothing about Joseph became ruler of Egypt. 
And he dealt treacherously with our people, remember who's talking here, and oppressed our forefathers by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. See, that was one way Satan was trying to do. Stop the families, no babies, no Israel. Verse 20, at that time, Moses was born. He was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for in his father's house. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter, by an accident, not a chance, directed by God, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him, brought him up as her own son. Supernatural miracle from God. He's a miracle worker. Now, verse 22. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. The book of Hebrews says this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Here comes faith into the picture again. So here's what you need to understand. Moses chose to follow God rather than the false gods of Egypt and the pleasures of sin. That was a huge decision for Moses to make. Now, God had prepared, been preparing Moses as his leader for 40 years while he was in Pharaoh's house. But Moses gets ahead of God's plan and God's will. One day he went out and he killed an Egyptian who was beating a Jewish slave, one of Moses' own. And Moses was thinking the Jews would see him as a deliverer, but they didn't. And so what happened was Moses knew he was in trouble, so he fled to Median to save his life. Now, look how fast we go. Look at verse 30, Acts 7, 30. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. Now, verse 31 says, when he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. See, he'd been out there 40 years. He sees bushes, 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 sand, sand, sand. Never did he see a bush just continue to burn, and it never burned up. And as he went over to look more closely, he heard the Lord's voice. There's an explanation there. Verse 32, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. And then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals. The place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, I want you to think about this. Moses is going to get a direction from God. He's going to get another chance 
Can I remind you, failure is never final with God. You may be sitting all around today. I don't know where you're at, where you're watching. I know people watching from everywhere. And you think, well, I'm not sure God will ever help me out. He'll never deliver me because I failed. Hey, we've all failed. That's God's grace. Don't let the enemy say that to you at all. Now, here's verse 34. I have indeed, God speaking, seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, speaking to Moses, and I will send you back to Egypt. That probably shocked Moses beyond anything he could ever understand. Remember, he's 40 years in the wilderness after a failure. Well, say this with me at all you guys that are watching today. Say this with me. God sees, cares, comes, and delivers. Well, you say, well, Pastor Mark, that's great. But this is thousands of years ago. Well, let me just say this. Do you know that God sees the suffering, the death, the fear in millions of people's lives today because of the coronavirus? Maybe your fear. God uses his word and his promises to build our faith and trust him. A great verse that I want to share with you today is Isaiah 41. 10. I have it for you to see. God speaking. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. That's a promise from God for every single one of us tonight. Now, remember, one of the qualifications to be a God follower, you have to have faith. You have to believe that promise is from God. And it's current. It's current. Remember, the battle is in our minds. And sometimes we allow Satan to come in and go, well, that was nice for Moses and the children of Israel, but it doesn't have anything to do with me. Wrong. Take captive your mind. Believe God's word. Don't believe Satan's lies. That's why you can have peace and joy today. Now, while Moses is interacting with God, he's, remember he said to him, I'm sending you back to Egypt. <laughs> and Moses in the scripture says this to God, I don't think I can do this. And basically, God says to him, you're right. You can't do it alone. Now, remember, we're never alone. And you'll hear me say that later. Look on the overhead. And Moses, God made Moses a promise. Moses, yes, you can. Why? I will be with you. And everybody that's watching me today, listening, if you're a Christian, God is with you. You can do whatever he calls you to do. Be encouraged. 
Be encouraged today. Now, when God promised to use Moses to set the Israelites free from bondage and lead them to the promised land, God, as always, he fulfilled that promise. You know that. It, we see the response of that in verse Acts 7.36. Look at it. He led them out of Egypt. Now, who led them out of Egypt? Well, Moses was there, but who really led him? God. Fire by night, cloud by day. God's still leading us today. This crazy thing that we can't see an end to, God knows the end. He's leading us. And we want to be leading, enjoying the promises of God. I, 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 I will be with you. Not just one. It's personal. Now, verse 36 says, he led them out of Egypt and did wonders and miraculous signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the desert. I was thinking of that. You know, we're, many, many people today are struggling. They don't have enough. They don't have this. Remember, the Israelites complained there was no water. Moses hit a rock and water came out. Who was that? That was God. He's providing for us. And remember the manna that came six days a week for all those years. You know, I, I'd like to see God just send manna right now for us. We don't have to go to Publix or Aldi or any place. He just sent it right down to us. Could I hear an amen somewhere at home? Come on. Let me hear an amen. Could God do it? Yeah, he could. But probably we're going to have to go out and get it. But now think about this. For all those years, God provided. God will provide for us. Be encouraged tonight. He owns the whole world. Now, verse 37. This is that Moses. Now remember, Stephen's talking to these Jewish leaders, 71. They do not believe in Jesus at all. And watch what happens. This is that Moses, Stephen says, who told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me, Jesus, from your own people. What does that promise look like? Take a look right here. Take a look. God's promise. I will send you a prophet like me from your own people. Well, who is that? It's the Israelites. Hundreds and hundreds of years later from the promise. He is going to fulfill that promise. Now, when you see that, here it is. I show you his promise and what it looked like. Take a look at this next statement on the overhead. Now, God fulfilled the promise. Why? What does that mean? Jesus, a Jew, came to be the world's savior. That is the final part of fulfilling that promise. It happened. It happened. And God made sure his promise was true. Now, the Jewish people who had become Christians, they wrote about this in Acts chapter 3. Let me read it to you. We don't have time today to turn there. Listen, Acts 3, 22, you can write it down. For Moses said... The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen, you must listen to everything he 
tells you. In other words, we're to listen to God's word. Exactly what I told you before. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you have to obey God's word. To obey God's word, you have to hear his word. And that's what we're teaching tonight. Now, when you see all of that happening in our lives, look at this. The apostles correctly applied this promise to Jesus. They knew it was true. But the Jewish leaders never listened to Jesus and his words. They didn't believe in him. They listened to nothing. They always were complaining about him. And so what happens is they were disobeying God and actually treating Moses with contempt. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jews worshiped God in a movable tabernacle, kind of a big tent. You remember that. And then as time went on, David wanted to build a temple, and God wouldn't let him, but he says, you can provide the goodies, but your son Solomon will do it. And Solomon built a permanent temple for God. Now, but Stephen told the Jewish leaders something that made them very angry, that God does not live in temples made by human hands. These Jewish leaders, listen, These Jewish leaders were worshiping the temple more than the living God. The temple had become an idol to them instead of the living God. The primary theme of Stephen's speech is that the Israel's leaders had failed to recognize that God had told his people ahead of time in the Old Testament that they could expect changes when the Messiah comes. And those changes would include a new covenant. The old, old covenant, the old law, Jesus fulfilled it, but it went bye-bye. And that new covenant was directly related that a promise that God would forgive sin and restore fellowship with people who would repent, put their faith in God, and except Jesus Christ as a personal savior. See, the sacrifices were gone. There was no more sacrifices. Jesus would make the final sacrifice. The Jews didn't see there was something new coming. And Stephen was trying to say to them all the time, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Now here is an amazing promise from Jesus. You remember one day, He said, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be crucified, then I'll be resurrected, then I'm going to heaven. And the disciples said, you got to be kidding me. And God said to Jesus, I've got a promise for you. And I'll read it to you. You know it by heart. John 14, 16. And I will ask, Jesus said, the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, to be with you forever. Now, the temple changed. Take a look. At this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you realize, Paul's writing this, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. If you're a Christ follower today, if you're a Christ follower today, I want you to take your finger and put it up just like this. Wherever you're at, all of you that are watching me, if you're a Christ follower today, here's what I want you to do. Who lives in you? 
God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Come on, just right here. Right here. God lives in you. For how long does he live in you? Forever. So how could I ever be alone? You can't. That's what Jesus said. I'll never leave you. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Now, notice when you see this. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? That's one of the benefits when you become a Christian. Now, say this with me. Wherever you're at today, say this with me. God lives in me, and I am his temple. You and I are the living temple of God. Today, all of us face difficult times, and I just want to review you very quick. God's promises that we won't do life alone, but it's not just that. The Holy Spirit comforts us. Some of you need comfort today. The Holy Spirit helps us pray. It's hard to pray today. There's so many needs, but he helps us pray. He guides and directs us. That's the Holy Spirit. He convicts us. Yes, he convicts believers because sometimes we sin and we need his forgiveness. And last, he empowers us. The sermon that you see that we're going through with Stephen is because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 71 in Acts, I'll read it to you. Now remember, this is Stephen talking to 71, like the Supreme Court of the Israelites. I like it in the New Living Translation. You stubborn people. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever, always resist the Holy Spirit? Now, why would Stephen say that? Remember, he's trying to get them to see that Jesus was promised from the Old Testament. They knew all that, but they weren't listening. They were not listening to the truth he was teaching. The Holy Spirit was speaking to their hearts, but they re resisted his conviction. Stephen goal, Stephen's goal was to understand that these religious Jews were to admit they were sinners so they could see that their good works would never, ever get them to heaven. They needed Jesus. They, their greatest need, as all of our need is, is forgiveness of sin. And the only person that could do that would be Jesus Christ. Remember, good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. Now, let me read you verse 52. This really got them. Stephen says, name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. That was all the prophets in the Old Testament. They just killed God's prophets. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered as well. Now they are really, really mad. Let me read you in Acts 7, 54 and 56. When the members of the Sanhedrin, all 71, heard this, they were furious it means they were cut to their heart and they gnashed their teeth at him. 
The response to Stephen's message showed one thing. A continued rejection of Jesus Christ. Never moved them one inch. Never. Verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Verse 56 says it like this. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, when you think about this, he's standing. He's standing. Most scriptures speak of Jesus sitting. But this is different. Stephen's vision tells us that Jesus was stood up. He's standing to welcome Stephen. Stephen doesn't know yet, but he's going to be dead in a moment. He's going to welcome Stephen into heaven as the first Christian martyr. He isn't sitting. He's standing. He's basically saying, Stephen, welcome home. Wow. Fantastic. Now, who gave God that, who gave Stephen that vision? God. Heaven open. Now, when you see that, look at verse 57 and 58. At this, they covered their ears and, and yelling at the top of their voice. They all rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Remember, Saul was part of the Sanhedrin. He hated Jesus with every ounce in his body. Saul of Tarsus was there, and he cooperated with the authorities by holding the clothes of the other Jewish leaders so they could throw more rocks and stone Stephen to death. Verse 59 is beautiful. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Remember the real you is your spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit, but the real you, the real me, is my spirit. When a Christ follower dies, the body goes into the grave or it's cremated, but the spirit instantly goes to heaven forever. Verse 60, then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Now that verse, forgive them. Forgive them. Don't hold the sin against them. That should remind you, obviously, of Jesus. The same thing he says on the cross. You see, how did he do this? How could he say that as he's being... I don't, you don't even want to think about being stoned. You know how he said that? The power of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't have said that in the natural. He was filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And he just said, God, don't hold them against them. Now, I want you to look at me right now. Serious. I know some of you, because you've heard it for the last two weeks. God sees, God cares, 
God comes. And God delivers. Some of you are saying right now, Pastor Mark, God didn't deliver Stephen. Whatever you've been teaching us is wrong. He didn't deliver him at all. He was murdered. I want you to read this on the screen. Actually, God does deliver Stephen. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, amazingly written by Paul, who used to be Saul after he became to the Lord. Look what he says. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Seconds after Steve, after death, Steve was in heaven, meeting his God and a Savior. You know what? That broken body, bones broken, blood, everything, instantly he got a brand new perfect body fitted for heaven and eternity. And once he's in heaven, he would be there forever. Now I'll take, even though it was difficult, I will take that deliverance from God. Now let me just say something to you. All of us know that one day, Every one of us will die. You know that. The Bible says it like this. Just as man is destined to die once, after that, to face judgment. Realistically, it's hard for us to understand this, but it's true all through the Bible. All people, really, are pilgrims. People in transit on our way to our final destination. This earth is not anybody's final destination. We're just pilgrims. We're just traveling through. Now, we have, haven't heard the word death so much in any time of our entire lives. If you turn on anything, if you read anything, it's death, 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 death. Well, 100 years from now, Every single person I'm talking to today, unless it's a baby, we're all going to be gone. We're going to be dead. So life's biggest decision is, when you die, where will you spend eternity? There's only two places. Heaven with God or hell separated with God. You see, that is the biggest decision for anybody. Think of the thousands of people that are dying every day. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, I know there's a question. Can a person know that when they die, they will go to heaven? Absolutely. Let me give you some promises, not from me, but from God. John 3, 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Remember, they resisted the Holy Spirit. Not interested. Well, they will suffer because they refuse the only solution to their sins. John 3.16, you know it well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him 
shall not perish. That means die spiritually forever, but have eternal life. And here's the one I love. God sees, he cares, and he comes, and he delivers. Listen to this verse. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not some. Everyone that calls on the Lord will be saved. Now, see, here's the problem. Most people in our world believe they're going to heaven after they die because they're good enough, but they're wrong. We see that all through the scripture. If a person can be good enough to go to heaven by their own good works, Jesus came for no reason at all. But we know from the scripture, I need my sins forgiven. I, I, can, I can work myself to death to try to get there. You'll never get there. Only Jesus Christ can forgive our sins. He is the only one. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to heaven except through me and what I did on the cross. He promised to forgive all of our sins. And today, God sees you wherever you're at, in homes, in buildings, outside, watching the program, whatever. God sees you, you're here for a reason, and he's come to invite you to be a follower of him. Why? Because he wants you in heaven with him. He designed every person to be in heaven. He has promised, we saw, to forgive all your sins, give you a new start just like he did Moses, give you purpose and meaning in your life now, and the guarantee of heaven forever when you die. Now, here's one thing I could ask you today. Do you believe you're going to heaven when you die? Some of you say, well, I think so, Pastor Mark. No, that's not the right answer. God doesn't go iffy, iffy, iffy. Let me read you something. You can know today. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. You can know today that you will be in heaven forever. Another promise from God. Listen to it. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's a great promise. I don't have to doubt it. I don't have to doubt it at all. Now, here's the last verse I'm going to use. Look at it on the overhead. Paul wrote this as well. That if you, it's an individual thing, Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. If you want to become a follower of Christ, enjoy all his promises here and after you die. I just want to say this. I want to lead you in prayer, and quietly I want you to pray this prayer after me. So just bow your head wherever you're at. Now, this is for two different groups of people but it's basically the same. Some of you used to walk with God, but you walked away. You got ahead of God. You got away from God, just like Moses did. It's time for you to make a recommitment. And in this day and age, have something that's solid in your life. Now, for some of you, you've, you know God, but you don't have a personal relation. You know about him. So just bow your head, pray this prayer with me right now. Today, God, 
I admit I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I do believe that Jesus died for my sins. I invite you to come into my life today and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your promise of heaven when I die. And thanks for changing my life forever in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. I want you to look on the screen. Get your iPhone out or a piece of paper. And there's a text. There's a number right here. 321-574-6970. And all you do when you text that, you're going to text it to the church and to myself, my secretary. And you just say, yes, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And if you'll just do that, I will send you an email. No, we're not going to bombard you with anything. I just want to congratulate you because you made the greatest decision of your life. And when you die and go to heaven, you will remember this night because you have made the greatest decision that you could ever make in your life. And it's not because of you. It's because of the grace of God that changed every single one of us. Every single one of us. So do that right now. And just before the band plays... I want everybody to stand. I want everybody to stand in all the homes today. And I want you to do one thing. It's going to seem strange to you, but it's really true. And then we're going to end with one worship song. I want you to stand and just look up to heaven right now. Just look up to the skies in your home. Just look up to the skies where God lives. And you know who else lives up there? Stephen, he's up there. And while you're looking up there, just repeat this after me. God, you are my way maker. Just look at him and say it. God, you are my miracle worker. God, you're my promise keeper. God, you're my light in the darkness. My God, that's who you are. What an amazing God. What an amazing God. Put your trust in him. He is a promise keeper.